You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher start a four-part series discussing rupture and repair in our most meaningful relationships. Today's topic will look at what rupture is and how childhood ruptures in relationships affect our current adult relationships. When relational ruptures continue without real healing, wounds become messages about who we and others are that make it difficult to have satisfying and safe relationships. Healing childhood wounds is the way we learn to work through the ruptures we have in relationships today. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. Great to be with you today. It's good to be with you, even though we're no longer together in person. I know. That was, man, that was fun. And I I loved recording in person. And I hope that we can have more opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. So if our listeners didn't listen to last week, which was Thanksgiving week, they wouldn't know what we're talking about, but we got to meet in Des Moines, Idaho and spend a few days together celebrating six months of De- podcasting. De- 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 uh, you got your states mixed up there. Des Moines. Did I say Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> I got Idaho. I got to Idaho on the brain because I have a yeah. daughter that lives there. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to just you. clarify. Yeah. Thank you for repairing that rupture, share. Well, thank you for receiving my correction with grace. <laughs> yes. Speaking of rupture and repair, we have decided to take on this very important topic of what is rupture in relationships? How do we repair? And as we were talking through what 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 we wanted this to look like, we knew we were going to need about at least four episodes. And so I'll just give a brief overview of what this is going to look like today. And then for the next three weeks after that, today, we are going to be looking at rupture and you're going to be giving just a overview of what does it look like to have a healthy, satisfying relationship as an adult? And then what are some ways that we look at if we're in an unhealthy, dissatisfying relationship, we're going to connect that to having complex childhood trauma. And so this week, we're going to look at rupture. Next week, we're going to look at what it means to regulate in this space. And then we are going to look at repair and what does repair look like in more detail than we're going to give today. And then our last one is going to be the question, does rupture and repair always mean reconnection? That's where we're headed in this four-part series. We just know that really at the end of the day, we all want to be connected and healthy, safe, good, life-giving relationships. And sometimes we don't even know why it's been so hard to be in that space. Yeah, I think so often it's hard to know why we are in the cycle of our most important relationships is a pace is a place that brings more pain mm-hmm. than rest and peace and safety. And that's hard. And I and I want to encourage our listeners, even as we go into this, to just think about your primary two or three relationships that you have. And just to pause for a second and think about are they satisfying? Do you love being with that person and you feel like there's mutuality and understanding and care? And when somebody is off, the other person is able to move toward them 
where if there's a misunderstanding, space is made to really be able to figure that out and come to a place of having understanding. Are these relationships places where there's love, where you feel joy and where you feel safe? Or, and of course, the spectrum is broad, so you can fall on on the spectrum at various points. But the other end of the spectrum is where your most relation, your most significant relationships really aren't that satisfying and tend to be a place where there's a lot of pain. Maybe there's a lot of criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and even kind of that stonewalling where there's a lot of emotional withdrawal, rejection, and abandonment. Mm -hmm. And if, if you find yourself there a lot and having feelings in your most significant relationships, that these are the things that define them, it's really a good time to take a look at this whole aspect of rupture and repair and how did this factor into the trauma that you experienced in childhood, because when we have childhood trauma and there has been rupture, Mm -hmm. it wasn't repaired and there wasn't, the, the steps were not taken to really bring you back to a place of safety and security and where the healing can really take place. And so when that happens and we're left in these places of rupture that never get healed, we kind of go through our whole lives reenacting those situations very subconsciously, but reenacting those situations, still trying to solve the problem from way back. And so this is huge. This is a very huge issue. And I think that a lot of us spend a lot of our lives more toward the end of the spectrum of our most significant relationships being difficult and hard and dissatisfying. And so we want to really bring some vocabulary to this. We want to bring some understanding. And so we're going to go back to kind of this first session here. We're going to talk about what is rupture in our childhood trauma and how does that kind of have an effect on us as we go forward into life? As you were talking, I was thinking of the stories, our own stories, the other stories that we know, sometimes just the stories that we hear in the news. We talk about things being on a spectrum a lot, right? From one to 10, which is, it's very helpful to kind of get a gauge of what that was like for us in different ways. But I think sometimes it's hard for us to name as adults that if we don't have these horrific stories of severe abuse, that we minimize the ruptures that we did have that were just consistent and never repaired. There wasn't a caregiver or a parent seeing that we're maybe afraid, seeing that we're under a lot of stress, you know, seeing that we have tummy aches every day or however that looks. If you are thinking, well, I didn't have any ruptures as a child, but yet you do have stories that involve not being seen, not feeling safe, not feeling seen or secure, not feeling secure. It's going to, it would be good if you are in these spaces of having dissatisfaction and unhealthy relationships today to get more curious about why do I keep going back to these places and relationships today. 
just like you said. And so, you know, a rupture for a child is anything that the child feels. So a child will not, let's say two, three, four, they're not going to say, I don't feel safe but they're going to have more physiological responses. They're going to, because their body's going to be stressed, right? If they feel like something is wrong, and you and I talked about this, that we both had this feeling often in childhood. It's this feeling of something is wrong, something isn't right, but I don't know what it is and it doesn't feel good. That is a rupture for a child. They're not feeling connected. You know, maybe someone got mad at them, mom, dad, teacher, sibling, and they couldn't figure out. They won't figure out. I mean, for one, their prefrontal cortex under four or five years old is not fully developed. And so they are living more out of those sensations and those perceptions and those beliefs. Yeah. To be able to logically think through like, oh, this person yelling at me isn't my fault. Right. Now, they may have done something, but it didn't warrant disconnection and being screamed at and, you know, made to feel like they're the problem. Yeah. And I think we do just have to name that a lot of us had primary caregivers who had their own issues and struggles that have, have not been healed. And so, again, I just want to say, like, we're not here to blame our parents and say they were horrible, but we have to look at what was real. And sometimes when we're looking back into childhood, like things can happen even at the preverbal stage, like even just being overstimulated too often and not being given the proper amount of rest that that a, that a, that an infant needs right there can be things that happen in the preverbal stage or like you said in those really young young years that we don't even fully understand but we have the sensation in our body and we have the struggle in our limbic brain that would tell us that there were some things that happened back there there were some ruptures that weren't repaired mhm you and I both have talked about our own mothering, you know, ways that I would show up at times. I mean, I, I was a mother that had unhealed trauma. And so when I look back on some of the ways that I responded or not responded to my kids, I know that it sent messages to them. And so now today in real time, and we're not going to get real into repair, but I'm able to move towards my children and really get curious. And sometimes I'll even ask them, can you remember a time that maybe you felt that way in the way that I was responding to you as a child? Wow. And that has been very revealing to me of what those ruptures did to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't intentionally do that. Right. Yeah. But yet it still happened. Yeah. Because I was parenting from my own places of unhealed childhood trauma. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about repair because there's so much hope there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we really want to stick to rupture today. Yeah. And I, I like that you said that you named, you know, that Sometimes you caused rupture for your kids, but it wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, it's really important, I think, to to talk a little bit about that, or at least to name 
when it is intentional and when it is unintentional. Both ways really end up with the same problem. Mm -hmm. There's been rupture. So like you said, sometimes people will say, well, I don't, I don't have really severe abuse in my background. Sometimes the more subtle harm is even the more difficult because it is very hard to really find clarity on what it is that's going on in my body or my brain. Why do I have these feelings every time a certain thing happens? So whether the harm or the rupture that occurred for us was intentional or unintentional, it still caused a rupture. Mm -hmm. And if there wasn't repair and healing that wasn't able to take place, we go forward in life with struggles. And what what are some of the struggles that we have when we go? How why why do we what are some of the struggles that show up in our relationships as a result of unresolved trauma in childhood and, and the rupture that happened? We go to attachment wounds. That, yeah. That's the first thing that came up for me is that, and we've done some episodes on attachment wounds and attachment styles, but a child's deepest desire and need is to have a safe and secure connection. And so when there's repair or ruptures that, that don't receive repair, the child has to figure out a way to survive. And out of those survival skills, you, you can go into shutting down your emotions, avoiding, like going really small, you know, that, you know, I'm thinking of children are seen and not to be heard. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yep, for sure. And also that sometimes that child will just stop speaking, stop, stop standing up for themselves or stop trying to name what they feel is true. Yeah. So that child gets into a relationship. And as soon as it starts to look like, feel like there could be rupture, they'll shut down. They will avoid, they won't speak up because it won't do any good. Now it could do good in their adult relationship, but they've already developed the belief system that it won't do any good and that it could cause more harm. Right. And so that that would be more of the avoidant, but then there could be a child that actually did fight back, you know, learned to power up as a way to stay regulated or have some level of safety, you know, maybe, you know, even had a parent that provoked that to some degree, their line of defense would be, I need to stay in control, in control of the conversation, in control of the direction that it's going. We just never know. I mean, everybody's different in what they're going to lean towards, but we know that as we learn that there's ways to heal and have those safe and secure relationships that we all long for today. And I loved how you said it. And I want to just restate that children and adults, the thing that we want most is safe and secure and loving connections with other people. The ways that we attach on in unhealthy styles like avoidant or ambivalent, we do that because we think that that is the means toward achieving a safe and secure and loving relationship, but it, it isn't. And instead it causes us to just get stuck in cycles of pain and reenactments. 
mm-hmm. which leaves us oftentimes in this place of feeling very lonely and isolated. Yeah. And, you know, this is where we get into self-contempt and other contempt instead of, I loved what you said earlier when you were describing a, a more healthy, satisfying relationship, you, you use the word mutuality. There, there, there is no mutuality in these relationships. There is going to be a power dynamic, yeah, in some way. Mm-hmm. And so, the the one that's either overpowering or underpowering, the end result is the same: disconnection and isolation. Yeah, stemming from the feelings that this situation feels fatal, or confusing, or chaotic and something has to be done to take away that pain. Something has to be done to try to solve this problem. Having rupture as an adult and not understanding why we get into these reenactments. So kids may learn to self-soothe in different ways through fantasy or, you know, I know that you ran out in nature a lot and you know, ran away and found some grounding, just being in a tree or laying on the ground or kids find some way, but then it becomes more problematic, you know, when we become teenagers and we're introduced to other things that, that work to soothe us momentarily, whether that's sex or drugs or alcohol. And that's why we want to do this series, right? It's painful. And I'll even name, you know, sex and drugs and alcohol, but also overachieving or numbing out by just... I was just naming what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I'm naming what I did. Okay, you go for it. Yeah, I didn't do the the big three, right? So I, (laughs) I did more like trying to make sure that everybody was okay, right? Or trying to keep peace or being alone, quiet in my room and reading a book or, but it was still ways of coping. They, they, they look better. They, they can look really even good, especially if you're an achiever or an overachiever. It can, you can get a lot of accolades for what you're doing when really you're doing the same thing. Ultimately, that the person you know, next to you is maybe being judged and condemned for just because your behavior looks more socially acceptable, but doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we carry that forward into adulthood and maybe we hone it a little bit into more, again, socially acceptable ways that our society can tolerate or accept but we're still doing the same thing if we are in the constant cycle of rupture without repair, but trying, striving for meaningful relationships and loving relationships. If there's not repair, man, we got a problem and we have to move toward it. And the fact is like, nobody knows how to move toward it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most significant things on my healing journey has been this idea, and we didn't really talk about this, but we've talked about it a lot. I want to bring it into this because I think it's very significant. Before we get into being able to repair with other people as an adult, there is this space where we begin to repair with ourselves. Mm -hmm. There is this space where 
the rupture is, is actually being disconnected from ourself. Yeah. And that is huge when you begin to reconnect with who you are, who you were created to be, and you begin to offer yourself grace and forgiveness and compassion and kindness. You know, it's, it really is from that space, which I realize even as I'm talking about this, we're going to be getting into some stuff that we're talking about on the next episode. So you have to listen to the next episode. I just wanted to name that really as an adult, before we can move towards someone else, this work is about moving towards yourself first. Absolutely. And then as you're moving toward yourself, if you're doing that with someone who's walking with you, like a therapist or a story coach or a friend who can help hold some of this, but then as you experience rupture in a relationship where someone can guide you toward like saying, hey, I'm, I'm experiencing some rupture here. I'm experiencing some change in you. And I want to invite you to use your voice and tell me what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I remember the first time that that was really named straightforwardly in our, in our pearls group and something had happened and there was rupture and it was, wow, I think most of us, maybe all of us were spinning a little bit with what's going on here. And we we kind of saw how each one of us handled it differently. But then because we had a coach who helped lead us through it, like we were able, that was kind of my first experience mm-hmm. of having somebody actually name, we have some rupture that occurred here and we don't want to just smooth it over and make it better and move on. We want to talk about what happened mm-hmm. and what are the feelings that each of you are carrying. And it was this ability or it was this moment when we were guided toward being able to overcome our helplessness and powerlessness and to be able to use our voices. And it was a first experience for me of seeing clearly what is rupture and then what do you do when that happens so that you can actually move toward it. And and all of us say to this day that that was a moment where our relationships grew so much deeper and our love for each other became so much stronger. And it it came out of something that was hard and, and where there was potential for a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. I love how slow we went. Yeah. So we took, I want to, I want to say months, several yeah. months that yeah. we continued to process. I, I know personally, I was getting very curious with very much compassion on noticing that in the past I would have been gone. Yeah. I would have said, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, I didn't do that. Yeah. And that was the value of going so slow, right? Because we weren't, we weren't going slow only because we were focusing, you know, day after day after day after day on that scenario, but because we were able to really bring in the fuller scope of here's what happened in my childhood that caused me to want to handle it this way. And if I choose not to do that and I feel the dysregulation, what are my options then instead of doing my old ways of coping that yeah. I don't want to do anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I love that we have in our story group with five of us, we let each other know when there's rupture, here's what you can look for. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And how we all know how to care for one another, not judge, not shame. Yeah. But just with the stories in mind, move toward and say, we can handle. Yeah. If you need space, we can handle. If you just have a lot you need to get out, it's been, it's been wonderful. So yeah, yeah, I look forward to just continuing in the next three weeks of moving towards what does it look like to regulate before there can be repair. So next week we'll be on regulation. Yeah. And I want to just leave our listeners with a question to ponder. And that is, As you look at your two or three most significant relationships today, where do you put yourself on the scale of a 10 being, I am highly satisfied. There's goodness there. There's love. We do repair all of those hallmarks of a secure, loving relationship. That's a 10. A one is, oh man, we are in so much pain. There's constant criticism and rejection and we just hurt each other. From one to 10, you know, we're all there somewhere. And where are you and what role does rupture that has not been repaired, what role does that continue to play So that's one. Look at your relationships today. Then spend a little bit of time pondering what feels similar going far back. Maybe look at your teen years and then your childhood years. Like what feels familiar? Where can you begin to identify like, you know, there was some rupture there that I don't think was ever really cared for. And I think it's had a really big effect on my life. So I would just invite our listeners to really take a look at that. We are going to spend, as you have said, Candice, several weeks talking about this because this kind of is one of the really big things in life. We Mm -hmm. want relationships that are loving and good. I want that. You want that. We want that for our listeners. So that's where we're going to talk about this topic that I think is just so good, good, good to talk about. Yes, I agree. So good to be with you today, friend. You too. I love you. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.